Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. This episode we are taking a look at transfer deadline day, as well as the window as a whole. There were some big moves that happened and some which didn't quite make it over the line. Have you got your famous deadline day yellow ties ready? Welcome back everyone to At The Bridge Pod. The transfer window has slammed shut, we're heading into an international break. Both of those are great, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I, I, I was wound up over Reese James' red card, calm down a bit now. But how are you two feeling? Yeah, I'm good. Like I said just a minute ago, I've been ill for a good two weeks now, but I'm in good spirits still. Looking forward to the pod. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I'm all good. Uh, still a little bit peeved about the, the whole red card situation like Mikey, but I've, I've got over it just about, I think, the international break has, has killed my spirits a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I hate the international Have you not break. seen the Yaramchuk goal? Ukraine. That that was a great. Oh, goal. it's so that, effortless. Yeah, I love well, it. Was it. in slow motion. No, it is like, it, oh it, yes. It's that kind of goal that was a mixture of Zlatan and Berbatov, where it was eh, can't be bothered. Oh, look at that! Wow, I'll celebrate. Well, but wow, I think it's like you can't really make a volley look graceful, but he did. He did. He did, and it was just the yeah. effort was like there was no effort in a way, but it yeah. was just brilliant. Absolutely so. Um, we'll also disclaimer: Berth has not got COVID. Thankfully. Yes, I've not got COVID. Thankfully. Yes, I'm ill, but COVID is not in my body. So that's Thankfully good. So. Right, with that, we're going to head into the newsroom and see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. Now, this is the part where we usually grab our keys, we go toward the elevator of transfer news, but we're going to hold off a moment and we're going to talk the Liverpool game first. So we're going to head to Anfield. James in towards Havertz, it's a brilliant header from Kai Havertz who loops it over Allison, and it's Chelsea who make an explosive start. And it's headed across and Matip tries to keep it alive. And Matip heads from the angle and off the woodwork and it's off the line by James twice, but was it with a hand? I thought it was, I thought it was. It, it may have come off his chest onto his arm. He's given it. It's a red card as well, so Chelsea's pain is doubled. Liverpool won, Chelsea won. The goals, they came from Kai Havertz and Mo Salah. Uh, scored from the penalty spot, so you know where that's going. Um, that result in the circumstances is as good as a win in my books. Guys, I've got my views. What are yours? Uh, I mean, are we diving straight in with the penalty here, or are we going to talk about a game first? Oh, it's. I think we'll talk about the penalty because we kind of have to, don't we? I mean, it was. Yeah, the, okay. It's the big talking point, other than the so, beautiful header from Kai, which we'll get on to. I'm going to be quite controversial here and say that I think that it was the right decision to send him off because I think it is a red card and it's stopping a goal from an opportunity and this and that. But what I will say is that Anthony Taylor cannot go to the, the monitor and look for five seconds and then already make his decision. Like That's not humanly possible. He needs to give it a good amount of time. And the handball rule also has to have a bit of consistency. 
because let law says that should be a red card, but pretty much the same thing happened to Rich James in the Champions League final. Now, it weren't on the penalty spot, uh, not on the penalty spot, on the, on the goal line, but it was still in the penalty box, so it should have been a penalty. But that weren't given. So, I mean, where's the consistency here? That There has to be some consistency. And again, we have to just get more clarity on this handball rule. And Anthony Taylor is an idiot as well. That's my final thought on him. But yeah, that's I my mean... thoughts. It was it was billed as a type an early title decider. I think game two is a bit over. Is it game two? Game game three. Um, it's a bit over the top to suggest that that's so early to suggest it's yeah. a title decider. But hey, um, they they are big games. It doesn't matter when of the season. It was ruined by one official who seemingly each week makes a poor decision in a game. I mean, it won't be the first game that Anthony Taylor's ruined, and it it won't be the last either. And, you know, we all remember the FA Cup final a few years ago. It, it wasn't <coughs> wasn't great. Uh, so it's not it's not just Chelsea games though. So there's no why always us mentality, especially for myself and I know you two as well. Because personally, I remember a game involving Leeds in the FA Cup where he was just just as poor. And I'm sure it, I kind of get the vibe that he makes the majority of fans probably moan when they see his names officiating the game. Um, I don't know. Is there a referee that makes you both sigh louder, Chris? I think Mike Dean's up there. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. He's just to a character. Honest. He's a great character, there's, though. There's not, there's not many good referees in the Premier League, is there? There's not that many that you look that you see that we're having, and you think, oh, at least he's a good ref. Yeah, I agree with that. I so this penalty, how did you see it, Chris? I'm with Berth. I think ultimately they they probably did get to the right decision. However, I am still a little bit confused over. Which rule takes the forefront here? Because one part of the handball rule says that if you handball it on the line, so you're preventing a goal, essentially, yeah. that it's a penalty and a red card. So that's what that's what Reece James did. So that's fine. But then the other part of the rule says that if it hits another part of their body first, it's now not classified as handball because it's come off an, another part of their body. So as long as their arm's in a natural position, it's not, and I think it, it hit Reese James's thigh, then hit his hand. The only thing I can think is it was the second movement of his arm towards the ball yeah. that made it that made it look more like a penalty, which yes. is fine if Anthony Taylor had seen that, but he didn't. When he went <coughs> to look at the monitor, he's seen a still image. I of saw that. Yeah, the, of first contact on his arm, which was off his thigh. So I don't understand what happened there with the VAR. I don't get the still image. No, I don't understand why he went over there, didn't see a replay, just in the the freeze frame and gave <coughs> the penalty. I mean, he barely got within 20 yards of that monitor and was already given the penalty. Mm, so yeah. I don't know what was said in his ear to make him... I mean, basically, the monitor just gave the penalty and said, don't bother looking at the monitor because he mean, didn't yeah. really anyway. I mean, personally, I knew when I saw it, I, I was one of them... I saw it, and as soon as they went VAR, I thought, he's sent off, because that's just how it works. Penalty is the best-case scenario. It's a penalty. It's, it's, it is what it is. We know that. We're not going to say it's not a penalty. But as soon as that whole incident occurred, I just thought, this game is going to be ruined now, because, we OK, we're winning 1-0. Kai Havertz, absolutely beautiful headed goal. Amazing. He's having a season already. But... You just sort of know how that sort of game goes. One side will dominate possession. The other will sit back and defend for the point. You kind of have to, unless you're the 
a stronger side. And obviously, both Chelsea and Liverpool are respectfully strong teams in the Premier League. So it's not like a top tier side versus one fighting for relegation. When I looked at, obviously, Sky Sports do their usual thing on a, a Monday about decisions and bringing Dermot, can't remember his surname, probably should, Gallagher. Dermot Gallagher, that's the one. Thank you. Uh, he he said it was a correct decision, penalty and red card. And he said apparently that it was the evidence was clear to see the ball does bounce up off his leg. That's what I saw. Uh, and then he says, but he swipes at the ball with his arm. And I still don't think he, I think it's just, I, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of Chelsea bias, but I kind of feel that it's more just that, well, oh, my arm. I don't think it was, I'm going to bat this ball away. Uh, that's just my view on it. I know it could be debated till I mean, the I end think, of time, but. I think, say, if uh, Trent did that and stopped a goal for Chelsea, I think we'd be saying red card. Yeah. Yeah, I can see your point. Like, really can. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I do think it is just a handball. I mean, yeah, it's harsh and unlucky, but I, I just think it is unfortunately a handball. That swipe does look like he's basically volleyballed the ball. I know that's yeah, unpopular to say, I but I just feel it just looks like a handball. Um, but it, 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 it is harsh still. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't be getting turned off for that, really. Yeah, I think so. Um, the first, the, the the actual mistake in all of that was. Mendy and Alonso. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the head, the headed. I'm going to head this ball out of your hands. <coughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what they was doing there. I don't because the reason why I'd say Mendy as well is because we obviously don't know whether he gave a call or not. And if he hasn't called, then that's probably why Alonso's headed it. So you don't know for definite who's at fault. But I mean, both of them are really because the goalkeeper should be commanding that situation, and Alonso should have a bit more awareness of what's going on around him. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he will be suspended for one game. In a way, it's against Villa at home, so it's not the Spurs game because Spurs are in good form. We have to treat it like that. So Villa is a top team, always have. I mean, they beat us last season, as we know, but let's let's see. I mean, we probably should be all right without him in that game. We'd yeah. be great with him, but we'll, we'll talk. Move away from the officiating. What's done is done. We're going to focus on that result, and it's a draw. Uh, away at Liverpool, that's a, always a good result, and a draw in these circumstances, it's absolutely massive. I mean, as soon as we went down to ten. Like I said, I expected Liverpool to grab their chance and put the game away. They didn't. We stepped up and it was a defensive masterclass from the whole squad. I mean, it's, it's bravo. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, I think that, that is definitely our best defensive display of the season. Well, of the past uh, Three year games. or so. <laughs> Sorry, the past year or so that Tuchel's been in charge. I think that has been our best defensive performance. Mm. I think <clears throat> Christensen has been an absolute revelation. I, I think... Yeah. I think all of us wrote him off at some point, but he has been incredible, really. He really has been incredible. Um, and I think he read the game so well. We did moan about him last week a bit, like coming out of position and being a bit too naive and winning the ball back. But against Liverpool, he was just out of this world. And you can say the same for Thiago Silva, who came on, for Rudiger. Um, I think, obviously, going forward, I think in the second half, we didn't really have much, but I thought we were... We still had chances, and I, I think that was a testament to how well we played and how well we can count on attack. Um, I think Havertz's goal was... Oh. I mean, I don't think you'll find many better headers than that all season. I really don't. I mean, he's definitely meant it as well. Oh, yeah. It just, it's so, so good. It's just, I mean, you talk about like, you talk about the body that we just mentioned being like, elegant and, and that. That's exactly what Havertz's header was. It was just an elegant, delicate header that's just gone into the top corner and just baffled Everyone, I mean, sensational header. And I think we could have been 2-3-0 up, actually, in the first half. We've just played that right pass, which 
it's a, sort of a reoccurring theme with us at the moment. But I think overall, it's a really good point. Defensively superb. The first half, we look really good going forward. Second half, not so much. But we're definitely going to be title contenders. I, I do firmly believe that we could win the league this season with this team. Yeah, it's it's a big season for Kai Havertz. And I'm, you know, after the stop start of 2021, I think that this 21-22 season is going to be massive for him. And he deserves definitely. it. I mean, he's been... He was outstanding in the Bundesliga when he comes over, still very young, adapting to a new league. And after, obviously, how he was hit so hard with COVID, you know, this is a big season for him. Um, Chris, any any particular <coughs> shouts you want to give out to the uh, the defensive masterclass we had under Tuchel? Well, I think I agree with everything Berth just said. I think second half was a sensational defensive performance. And I would say that we still had the two best chances of that second half with Lukaku's volley that was blocked and Kovacic's 1v1, where he didn't quite move the ball out of his feet enough. Uh, first half, though, I think, if we look at the game 11v11, I think we showed that we're a better team than Liverpool. Mm. We, we weathered the early storm. Um, I thought they started really well, which you would expect at Anfield with the crowd. But we, we sort of got through that, that initial period and then really took control of the game and was completely on top. And it was... Unfortunately, it was the same old problems that reared their head again. We didn't kill the game when we should have. Before the Reese James red card, that game should have been over because Liverpool just don't defend counter-attacks very well at all. Um, and they didn't in that game. Uh, I think the biggest moment for me was Mason Mount. Um, he has to square that ball to Kai Havertz when he goes through on the left-hand side and he rolls yeah. it wide of his left he has to square that ball. Mm. And the point I made to the people I was watching it with at the time was, if you watch Man City play and you watch Liverpool play when they're at their best, that's what they, that's what they do. And that's why they score so many goals. Man City especially, if you put any Man City player in that position, they will square that ball and it'll get tapped in and it's 2-0 and it's game over. You know what? I don't, I don't think it was just Mount, though. I think uh, Lukaku and Havertz were actually at fault a few times for doing that. Yeah, I like, picked the wrong Lukaku. pass. Yeah, it was the age-old problem again, and it of it's not necessarily missing chances; it's missing the the, the right pass to get the yeah. chances. Just just did want to talk about Mount a little bit though. That I mean, we all agreed that he was by far our, be- our best player last season. Yeah, he, he is an outstanding player, but I do think he needs to up his his level <coughs> needs to up again this season. I think. Last season, under Lampard, it was not good. And then Tuck will come in and Mount really sort of upped his game when the team did. And I think the team's gone up another level this year. And I think Mount has to as well. At the minute, every time I've seen him so far this season, he's always been on the edge of the game. He hasn't really ever affected one yet, um, like he was last season. He was having a big impact on games last season. And I think now other people are starting to play better, the likes of Havertz, Lukaku coming in. He's not he's not standing out as much. Still playing well, but not any better than he was last season, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I think yeah. he has got to be careful with the competition in the squad. It, it's it's he's almost he's almost lucky in a way with the with the Ziyech injury, because I think if Ziyech had carried on that form into the season and Havertz was playing like he was, I think Mount would be the one to drop out. And I think I wouldn't be shocked if at some point this season he does spend a little bit of time on the bench if his performances don't start affecting games more. And I, 
it's a criticism I've had of a lot of our number 10 players, but I know Mount's got the ability to do it. And at the minute, he's just not having a massive impact on football matches. And that's I mean, a bad thing when you've got yeah. good players around him. That's an absolutely huge opinion. And some people will take that well, some people won't. But that's what we're about. You know, you've got to ask the tough questions. And this is a tough question. It's a quick <coughs> mention, but it's a tough question. Ngodo Kante, are we getting to a point, because I've seen it being asked on different socials, but which it was a bit too all familiar under Frank Lampard and it's he just couldn't stay fit. You know, he only, he's only had 45 starts in the last two seasons. He is a world-class player. And no, I'm not saying sell him. No, we need him. No, but, that was last season yeah, he said that. It, it does make me wonder, though, if his fragility is a concern. What, um, what, do, you, what do you think? Because you, 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 know, you can sort of see what I'm trying to say. I think it is a concern. I think, how old is Kante now? 29 or 30? He's coming up to 31, I think. I think the way he plays... He's bound to get these injuries when he um, when he gets older, if that makes sense. You look at how he plays, his relentless running, his relentless pressing, his constant interceptions, his constant winning the balls back. I'm surprised he didn't get this many injuries earlier on in his career. Um, do you see the point I'm trying to make here? Like, it just feels like the way he plays and the way his style of football is, it's almost catching up to him now. And I think it just goes to show how important the signing of uh, Saul is, because I think, I mean, people were mentioning Koundan that we needed him. As the transfer window went on and on, you're almost thinking, actually, we really do need a midfielder here, because yes, we've only got Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante's now injured. For two uh, positions, yeah. We've just got rid of Billy Gilmore to Norwich on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Trevor Shalabry can play there, but it's still big pressure in his first season in the first team. So, actually, getting Saul... Unloaned, it's actually a massive, massive buy, and I think it's a very shrewd bit of business. But I mean, Kante is a bit of a concern. We know he's a world class player, but these injuries, I mean, if it's a win the league, Kante is vital to us, of course. He really I'm, is, yeah. Before I bring Chris in, there's one thing that's a bit fr- it's frustrating, and I'm sure we're all frustrated reading this. But France made him travel unnecessarily because, yeah, they I'm guessing they just didn't believe us when we said he was injured. Oh, I don't know officially. But he went over there and he attempted apparently to train with the national team. Quite obvious he couldn't because of his ankle. And <coughs> they brought up Adrian Rabio. And you just thought, so he's travelled unnecessarily when he should be recovering from this injury with the two weeks off. And you just think, we're not lying. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, didn't, yeah. we didn't just go, oh, we don't want him to travel. But everyone else can. You know, he was clearly injured. But, ah, you know. Um, Chris, jump in for us. Well, I think... It's actually a massive season for the club and Tuckle and the team to find a way to not be so reliant on Kante. I think we all agree that when he's fit, he plays because he is world-class and probably the best midfielder of his type. But those injuries now are becoming very frequent and more of a concern. And more importantly, we do look lost without him. I agree with Berth. I actually had that argument on Twitter that if we're going to sign either a midfielder or a centre back, I'd rather the I'd rather the midfield player. Yeah. And I think the signing of Saul is a great signing because he's he is similar to Kanté. He's energy. He's box to box. And we didn't really have anyone to <coughs> replace Kanté when he's injured. I think we have got to use this season to either. 
hopefully Saul comes in and, and, and can do the job and he's, and he's really successful and we, and we can sign him or use it to scout a potential replacement. I think it's getting to a point now where even if we don't sell Kante at the end of the season, depending on how the injuries go and how the seasons go, I still think you would need someone in the squad as backup to him because he, these injuries aren't going to get any better as he gets older with the way that he plays. And it is becoming a real concern that every time you see he's injured, you think, well, who are we bringing in there? Because we, we just haven't got anyone who's similar to him. Like Chalaba come on against Liverpool, but he is more of an, just a holding player. If you're going to play him in midfield, he is just going to be a sitter in front of the, the, yeah. the defence. And that's not what Kante does. He goes and hunts the ball and wins it back yes. in, yeah. in good areas. That's why I'm hoping Saul can recapture his form of a couple of years ago at Atletico. I think that's a good segue. Um, slam shut. The transfer window is. Uh, that is what we are breaking down, obviously, this week. So we're going to head for the final time this summer to the elevator of transfer news. Dujan Sterling has signed a new deal and he's headed to Blackpool on a season-long loan. Danny Drinkwater has joined Reading on loan. Timu Bakioko has joined AC Milan on a two-year loan with an obligation to buy if certain clauses are met. Ethan Ampadu has joined City outside Venezia on a season-long loan. Chelsea's deal for Jules Kunde was off, on, off again, back on, and then completely off. He remains in Spain with Sevilla. The deal apparently hit the rocks when Sevilla asked for an extra 15 million euros. Callum Hudson-Odoi had agreed personal terms with Borussia Dortmund ahead of a low move. This was blocked by the club. Leicester City apparently made an inquiry about bringing in Hudson-Odoi on a permanent deal. Again, this was rejected. Tino Andrin has joined Locomotive Moscow on loan with an option to buy set at 17 million. We have a buyback clause inserted if this was obviously triggered to buying back for double that amount, so 34 million. Malongsar's loan deal to Grupa Firth fell through at the last minute. And finally, Chelsea signed Sal Nuez from Atletico Madrid on a season-long loan with an option to buy next summer, set at around 30 million. That's it. It's done. Guys, we'll, we'll talk about a whole window and how we feel about it. But how was <coughs> deadline day as a whole for you? Um, good. I, I think it seemed as if the Saul deal wasn't ever going to be done. And then... I wasn't sudden, confident waking up no, the next then, day. <laughs> I mean, it was very, very late on that it actually did happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Hudson-Odoi one is interesting. I think if we were to get rid of Hudson-Odoi, this transfer window, I think you know, Leicester's really, really short a wing-back. Now, I know Aspie can play there, but I feel if the way Tuckle plays and wants to play, I feel like Hudson-Odoi would be perfect to play there. Especially as a replacement for East James. So, be interested to see how Hudson Adoy plays this season. Because um, I, I do feel that he does lack intensity sometimes when he comes on the pitch. So, it'll be interesting how that one plays out. But I think overall, deadline day um, was good for us. It was a really, really good deal getting the soul, soul deal through. Oh, yeah, 100%. We need, we definitely. I mean, I wanted Jules Kunde, but it is what it is with that, uh, however we feel. Uh, it didn't seem professional if it was true that certain certain swear words were said, apparently. Well, we don't know how true that is, but if it was, I was quite shocked because I thought that's the kind of thing that our, we know our club might take personally and think we're not dealing with you in the future, but who knows. Um, Chris, what, what did you feel about deadline day? Uh, similar to birth, really. I mean, we was all a little bit nervous, I think, about getting the, the Salnagas deal over the line and it, it did happen, thankfully, but, you know. 
for the reasons we just said. Mm. Koundé, honestly, I wasn't really that bothered. I think there was a lot of uproar on Twitter from I was following on Twitter most of the day, and it shows that that's why people on Twitter don't run football clubs because almost everyone on there was just saying, well, just pay the extra 15 million. Well, that's how you run clubs into the ground, isn't it? So, you know, I, I think we did the right thing. I think it was quite cheeky, actually, of Sevilla to agree a price a couple of weeks ago. And then when we go back in, say, oh, no, we've added 15 million to that for no reason whatsoever. So I'm glad, really, that we didn't bow to that um, because I, I don't think... I don't think he was desperately needed at the, at this present moment in time. Um, the Hudson Adoy one, I really don't understand. If I'm honest, I th- it seems as though he's linked with a move away every time the transfer window's open, and we categorically say no, he's not going anywhere, and then still don't play him. I honestly think the only reason why we're so reluctant to sell him is because of the mistakes we made with De Bruyne, Salah. Lukaku. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I generally can. I thought we weren't <laughs> going to sell him because of right wing back. He started there in the Super Cup and we're kind of, obviously, Rhys James's red card. You sort of think we're a bit light in that department. We kind of need someone there. But I understand that, but I still don't see him playing that much at right wing back. I think Rhys James will start there. And when he's out, I think Aspilicueta will start there. I, I honestly think that if we take out the fact that he's come through the academy, because that's let's face that seems to be why everyone from on on Twitter at least loves him, despite mm. the fact he's done very little on the pitch. Yeah, that's and that's just facts. He he has done very little on the pitch for the club, but he does have a massive following on on social media at least. If you take that out of it, and he was he was a player we'd brought three four years ago. And he'd done the same thing that Hudson had always done. I don't think anyone would have cared whether he was leaving or not. I think he would have been another one of them players where everyone would have gone, no, he could have been good, but he wasn't. So the loan to Dortmund, I think, would have made a lot of sense because I think he would have gone to Dortmund. He would have played there because I'm assuming they wanted him as a Jadon Sancho replacement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yes. We could have seen him for a for a big club playing Champions League football for an entire season, and then we could have made an actual judgment on whether he is ever going to fulfil his potential. Mm. But just keeping him around and being a bit part player, it's not good for him. And I don't think it's good for the club either, because surely it's going to get to a point where his value is going to be so low because he's done nothing. At least if he'd gone to Dortmund and was good, you could have thought, okay, he's going to fulfill his potential and next season he could be a big first team player or if he goes to Dortmund and he's okay but not outstanding he's still gained a little bit of market value so turning that down I just I don't really understand yeah I, I can see your views um I really can and but we we I'd say we definitely need that on the, the depth chart so to speak we definitely need him there but the Dortmund move would have made sense and it could have done him the world good I mean he's never had a loan move outside of the club so it's one of them. You, you you can't tell. You do want him to succeed. He's got all the talent there and he's come back from a horrific injury. So, fingers crossed he does actually get this game time. I mean, we'll soon find out against Villa for sure. Uh, how about the window, though, as a whole? I mean, we brought in Bettinelli, Lukaku and Saul. Uh, we had tons of departures, of course. But the incoming-wise, what are your thoughts? Um, I, think, I think it is a very, very solid window. I think we got quality over quantity and I think we improved areas that 
we needed to improve on. I think we've all said that to be in contention of winning the league this season, we had to sign a killer striker, a world-class striker, and we have in Lukaku. Um, and now, like I said earlier, the loan signing of, of Saul, especially with Kante getting injured, I think is a fantastic bit of business. I really do think that has given us so much depth in midfield now. Because Saul is quite versatile. He can press, he's got energy, he can get you a goal, which I don't think Kovacic or Jorginho can. Even Kante can't really get you many goals. So I think it adds a new dimension to that midfield. Um, and Bettinelli, look, Caballero's gone. He probably won't play that much. But again, it's more depth. Well, it's a homegrown spot as well in the squad. And you've got to remember exactly. that Eduard Mendy's leaving in January for the Africa yeah. Cup of Nations. So it's going to be Kepa and then we need the backup, don't we? Which is Bettinelli. Exactly. So I think overall, I think it's, you know, I think it's a really, really good window. I really do think it's a great one. Um, Chris, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a better window than some people are giving it credit for. I think we all agreed uh, on one of the shows earlier on in the summer before maybe before the transfer window even opened, that we made a lot of signings last season. This season, it was going to be about quality over quantity. We didn't yeah. need loads of signings. We just needed to improve those key areas. And I, <coughs> I think we have, you know, Lukaku is a big improvement on anything that we had at the top end of the pitch last season or for the last four or five years. Uh, and I think the Saul signings really tipped it over to a, a really, really good window for us because I agree with what Berth just said. I think he's different to the other midfielders that we've got. It it will be nice to have someone who is capable of scoring a goal from that that central area. Uh, and, you know, Gilmore was a, a really good player, really good prospect, but Saul is an upgrade on Billy Gilmore. So, we, again, we've improved that area of the pitch. I it's, think it's a really, yeah. really solid window for us. Oh, 100%. I mean, we needed that goal scorer. Everyone knew that. I mean, Jorginho was our top scorer. He hopefully yeah. won't be this season. You know, Lukaku come in, worth every penny, we hope. Uh, Saul, I mean, to be fair, my head started to turn after the Kunde. I thought, you know what, Saul is more important because, you know, we're going to have a lot of games this season. I think it's potentially up to, like, into the mid-60s. Uh, that's including, obviously, the Club World Cup, which is coming up for Christmas time. Saul, he's going to... He's got, We've got depth at midfield area. We've already mentioned Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante for that two position. And obviously, Billy Gilmore's loan out. You know, Sal's just come off from winning a title with Atleti. <coughs> so, he's got, a, he's got a decent silverware collection. He's got a couple of Europa Leagues and other Spanish trophies. Um, he's played so many games for Atletico. He's quite dependable. He's capable of playing in so many positions and providing cover. So, it's going to be, that's, I think, for a, a, a bargain. So just getting him on loan and for 30 million, it gives me vibes of Kovacic. You know, everyone kind of questioned it at first. And wow, what a signing he turned out to be. I mean, I know people yeah. maybe maybe three signings, people are a bit... Mm, but think back to two of the windows that I feel were the worst in our history. Uh, you've got 15-16, which the only successful signing out of all them was probably Pedro, which we brought in on the final stage of the window. But we brought in Baba Rahman for a similar fee to Pedro, and he's never, unfortunately, done much. Uh, Begovic, uh, Kennedy, Falcao on loan, Michael Hector, uh, Papa Gilabodji, and Nathan. None of them really did, did much, did they? Let's be honest. And it's That's not the yeah, worst on the window ever. And, and obviously, if we're talking about big arrivals as well, 17, 18, you had Maratta. This is, at the time, probably seen as good, but when we look at it as business in hindsight, you had Maratta. Well, that didn't work out. Bakayoko, that certainly didn't work out. Drink water, 
that definitely didn't work out. Rudiger, solid, can't complain there. And Zappacosta, who, again, pretty pretty decent. And obviously we got Caballero come in. So that was a that was a mixed <coughs> win. To be fair, that whole season was quite mixed, because then in January we brought in Barkley, Giroud and Emerson. And that's a very mixed bag of signings again. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with our window. I think as well with the outgoings as well. We had a lot of players to uh, sort of trim trim down such a, a bloated squad. We got good fees for Tammy, Zuma and Tamori. Um, and let's not forget, we did something that we remembered not to get stung by from few previous deals, buyback clauses. Massive. I mean, Livramento's got one. He's already looking great for Southampton. I'm happy to see him do well because... He's not our player anymore, but in a way, we only have to trigger the buyback option and hopefully yeah. he'd want to come back and agree, you know, personal terms. That's a mate. That's in- incredibly important. Tammy Abraham, the same. And Tino Andrin as well. You know, those are all top talented players that could step up another level. Tammy Abraham's looking amazing in Serie A. I know some people have gone, yeah, Serie A, but let's, let's not judge yet. I mean, it could be, we could be looking in hindsight going, Wow, what a bargain our buyback clauses were. What do you think on the, the outgoings, guys? I think you, you're totally right. I do agree with you. I think also what's been clever on our part is that the players that have gone out on loan, they've signed contract extensions. So we will probably get a fee for them as well. Um, I'll think... jump in. There is a quick... The reason that some that had like like batch white, it's because legally, I feel... I, be, I feel, I believe, uh, under FIFA rules, you can't loan out a player who has less than one year on his deal. They have oh, right. to have two years. So that's kind of why uh, okay. some have, yeah. Obviously, others like Sterling, obviously that's for long term. But... Okay, well, even so, I still think it's a clever bit of business for like Sterling and that. But yeah, either way, I think you're totally right. The outgoings, we needed to trim the fat of the squad. I'm surprised that we've kept Ross Barkley, if I'm honest. Oh, he hasn't gone out anywhere, has he? Nope, he's still there. Yeah. That's, uh, that surprised me, I must admit. Um, but, you know, getting like... Danny Drinkwater away, uh, Bachelet away, Babin Rahman away. Obviously, I want those players all to do well, but I think we need to move them on. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we've, we've done a lot of business this year of, um, of trimming the fat, and I think it's long overdue, I think. So it's been a really good window overall. Chris? Yeah, yeah I, I agree completely. I think we had a lot of deadwood that we needed to get rid of. Um, to be fair, the club's worked miracles on some of these players to find them another club who will willing to take them and a lot of the loans as well they've got obligations to buy which i like because it means even if they go there and they're rubbish they still have to buy them yeah mm. yeah it's true i mean as was there any particular deal that stuck out i mean i'll combine this with another question i've got on this um if we take a look at our rivals and ask how their windows went uh i'm kind of surprised in general because you had liverpool brought in one major signing which you know when they had genie wine out and go and cover for Firmino. I don't think they've done enough, but they are very self-sufficient, which is admirable, you know, fair play. But I don't think that was enough. Man City only brought in Jack Grealish, who, and I'm not saying only brought in, because he's an incredible talent and he's certainly going to up their level, but they certainly definitely need a striker. Uh, Man United probably had the best window of them all because of obvious reasons. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on our rivals' windows? And did any deals outside of maybe the rivals stick out for you? Um, I think Liverpool have gone backwards. I actually think their squad looks very paper thin now. I think other than the starting eleven, which is very, very good. Don't get me wrong. I think look at their bench; it's nowhere near as good as ours. 
Um, I think Man City, look, getting Grish in is a, an amazing bit of business, but no striker. I know Ferran Torres is probably going to play there, but it, it, Gabriel Jesus as well is going to play, but it's no Aguero, is it, at the end of that? It's no Harry Kane. But their squad's still very good. Man U, yeah, I'd agree, probably had the best window. Getting Ronaldo, um, I don't think that signing is as good as people are making it out. He'll score um, goals and rip up it, many it, NFPL teams. Look, he will get goals. Don't get me wrong, it, it's Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best players. I mean, I think he's probably the second best player ever to play the game, but I think... Oh, sorry. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. I think he isn't the Ronaldo past. He isn't going to be the Ronaldo that was at Real Madrid at, um, at Man United to begin with. So it'll be interesting what happens there. I think actually Varane could be a very good signing for him. Sancho didn't look great against Southampton. Um, but look, they've had a good sort of window. Uh, and then there's us. I think we really, with our squad now, I think I think we should be favourites to win the league. I really do think our squad is that good now. Oh, agreed. Um, Chris? Yeah, I agree. I think Liverpool, I agree with Berth. I think they've gone backwards. I think they haven't improved their squad really at all. They, you know, Their, their major signing was, was a centre-back, but with Van Dijk coming back from injury, Matip coming back from injury, did they really need that? I mean, he, has, he hasn't made an appearance yet, so I'm going to say no, they didn't. Uh, I, I'm not sure whether Salah goes to the African Cup of Nations as well with Egypt. Uh, I think he will be, yeah. I mean, if he does, then they're going to lose him in January. That's massive for them because he, you know, they rely on him really heavily and they haven't reinforced that forward line at all. They haven't really replaced Wijnaldum leaving either. Um, I think the only thing that will hold their season together could be Klopp as the manager. Uh, Man City, I think, have stood still. They haven't gone backwards. I don't think Grealish makes them abundantly better either because he's a player who they already had really they've got an abundance of those sort of players they needed that number nine um that they didn't get so i think they've stood still and i think both us and man united have, have closed the gap in terms of squad updates um may not have had a really good window it remains to be seen how those players work out i mean on paper they've had a brilliant window but very true no one knows how ronaldo is going to do it at 36 coming back to the premier league which is a harder league than he's played in for at least the last two years. Um, Jadon Sancho, I said at the time, he's never impressed me for England. He hasn't impressed <coughs> me either. Um, he was non-existent against Wolves in the first game that he started. You know, everyone's assuming that he's going to come good, but I, I have my doubts over him. Um, Rafa Ravan, again, the same. I think he's, I think he's an OK defender. I think he's better than Lindelof, but I don't think he's... People always talk about trophy cabinets, but that doesn't always tell you how good a player is. You know, people like John O'Shea and Wes Brown have got incredible trophy cabinets, but no one's calling them world-class either. Um, so it will be interesting with Man United. I think they've made big-name signings, but it depends on whether they work out. If they all work out like they should, then they have definitely closed the gap towards the top of the league. Um, yeah. But so have we, I think. And our squad is now comfortably, I would say, the best in the league in terms of depth all over the pitch. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, on that, we're coming to the end of another episode. But as I say, we always have time to answer listener questions. So we're going to take a quick look in the mailbag to check out what's been sent in to us this week. You've got mail. 
Okay, this is our own question. Sorry, listeners. Uh, I mean, your questions will return next week. Fact, fact. Rafa Benitez would say fact. Promise. And we do swear to that. But the window shut, and we did say we'd bring this up back in our predictions episode. So that's why. Uh, and that is, who are our new picks for best signing, worst signing, and player of the year? I have mine now, and I'm very happy with mine. But and I'll, I'll quickly type up as the guys are saying it. But who's your best signing? Doesn't have to be an uh, obvious one. Doesn't have to be an obvious one, of course. I think Lukaku is a game changer. I really do think Lukaku is a game changer for us. So I'm going to go with him. That's, that's pretty fair, Chris. Very sharp. I'm, I'm going to stick with what I think I said originally, and I'm going to say Danny Ings. I think he, he's a sniff at the price Villa got him for. That's fair. I mean, for me, you, everyone's going to go, what a hipster choice. Uh, Mark Cucurella at Brighton. Uh, honestly, I saw him play for Getafe and a little at Barca, and he's just he always looked a top player. And I know I, I did think the same when Brighton signed another former Barca player in Martin Montoya. So that could be a dreadful take indeed. Um, I'd also want to throw in Saul, because I think when you get someone yeah. of that talent on load, you, I, I'm not going to say it's win-win because we all remember Falcao, but he did have an injury coming back off. So that could be a top top signing. And then again, this is maybe it's a bit naughty to pick another third one, but Eduard at Palace. I mean, yeah, Palace has not I, had a yeah, goal scorer in a while. Yeah, yeah, great shout. If yeah, he hits shout. the ground running, he's been amazing for Celtic. And, you know... He was kind of one of them players. If it wasn't for all their superstars, he could have returned to PSG and probably lit up Ligue 1. I really think he could. Uh, okay, so the negatives now. The worst. Who was the, the signing that you, we feel is going to be the worst? Uh, obviously, I said Jack Grish before. Um, <laughs> I could go absolutely outrageous and say Ronaldo and Ooh. say he could be a big waste of time and money. Um, but I'm not going to do that because I know Ronaldo will get loads of goals. He sold um, seven billion shirts in ten seconds of his signing. <laughs> you know what? I'm 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 just going to stick with Greedish because I do still think that he might not have the season that he's hoping for. So I'm just going to go with Greedish still. That's fair, Chris. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my original one as well. Like I don't think any of the signings that was made on deadline day are going to be that that bad. Um, so I'm going to stick with uh, with Jaden Sancho. That's fair. I mean, I had Ashley Young as we all remember. I have changed my opinion bit naughty because we've seen him play I'm going to go the one with the huge fee and that's Ben White <laughs> I've got to say it because I'm like I don't think that's a good deal now uh, you but... know what actually uh, I'll change mine I think Aaron Ramsdale uh, for the price I think is yeah, very poor cool. yeah. I, I don't think I think he can be a good shot stopper but I think have Arsenal spend and... so much money but not yeah. improve I, I think Aaron Ramsdale who might not even be number one keeper um, I, I think that's a poor business. I think you can get uh, more value for money. Yeah. There. And, and yeah. finally, because this one we, we couldn't really pick because you never know who's coming into the league. We could have been Haaland. Uh, player of the year. Now, how are we going to do it? I think probably the PFA is the fairest <laughs> way of doing it. Um, who, who, do you, who do you think is going to be player of the year this year? Um, I can't actually remember who I picked before. I think I, I didn't Kane. pick one. So I think it was Kane and, or, or De Bruyne, sorry. Um, I'm just going to stick with De Bruyne or Kane. I, I, I can't think. I think if Ronaldo gets a lot of goals a season, they'll give it to him. Yeah. I, I mean, if he can raise the stock price and increase Twitter followers and sell <laughs> 7 billion shirts. What I read today is the Queen asked for his autograph. So wow. now Ronaldo is the only person ever uh, to give an autograph to the Queen. 
Wow. That, that's, that's a fact right there. I do love how they always bring up, well, we've made our money back because we've sold that many shirts. And I just think, I don't think it works that way. I'm no, so, I need to look into this, but I am convinced it does not work that way at all. But anyway, um, Chris, who have you got? Uh, see, I think if Ronaldo has a, has a season where he's anywhere near top goal scorer, he doesn't even have to win it. But I think even if he's close, like second or third by a goal, <laughs> I do think because it's Ronaldo, I think they'll be swayed and I think they'll give it to him. Yeah, but I agree. I, I'm going to go with, just just if that doesn't happen, I, I'm going to go with Lukaku. I think if we win the league, I think they'll, everyone will say that it, it's because, of, I mean, let's face it, it probably will be because of Lukaku. So yeah. I think if we win the league, I'm going to go Lukaku. Mm. I, I mean, I, I've got the same. I mean, he's shown already how much of a different side attacking-wise we are with him. I've got faith. And this wasn't in my original uh, questions bit, but I've just noticed I didn't write a Champions League winner down, so I'm going to assume we might not have because of the window. Uh, should we go Chelsea again? <laughs> I think I think I pick PSG. Uh, you know what? I'm going with PSG as well. I've oh, got to say I actually it. picked. I'm pretty sure I picked PSG before Messi went there. That's and, fair. Uh, I'm definitely going with PSG. Same. I think they have to deliver, and just on that, I think they have to deliver. Uh, Chris, did you pick one? Uh, I don't remember, but yeah, I don't remember myself. I'm not, not going to go with PSG because I, I still think that you can sign all the superstars you want, but there's, there's something about PSG that that prevents them from that success. Probably the league they play in. Uh, I'm going to go Bayern Munich. I, I generally thought you were going to say Malmo, but <laughs> I mean, it's I was going to go Sheriff. I was going to go Sheriff. Sheriff. Oh, I forgot about them. Oh, that <laughs> would have been so much better. Oh, so I've, I've, I've messed up. But um, with that, we, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. So till next time, listeners, that is us three signing off.